Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the 14th edition of Where They At. My name is Devante Iles, and it's always a pleasure to feature influential athletes, not just on the court, but off the court. And this edition is no different. She's the youngest basketball Olympian, and she was a high school senior when she made the Olympic team back in 1975. And she's one of the most accomplished collegiate and professional basketball players ever, male or female. Also, she's a pioneer and an influencer, uh, playing against men, coaching men, and also exhibiting the respect for her tenacity and work ethic. She was inducted to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 1996. Coincidentally, that's when the WNBA started that year. And she played in the WNBA at age 39 and 50. And just, just absolutely remarkable career, remarkable person. I'd like to introduce the one and only Lady Magic, Miss Nancy Lee. How you doing? Good, how you doing? Thank you so much. Thanks. Uh, this is where I am. I'm in Plano, Texas. Um, I am wishing you and everybody else uh, Godspeed and health and stay inside. The mom and me is wash your hands. Yes. Social distancing. And take this thing for, for real. Yes. It's no joke, uh, but Americans are amazing. I, I'm so proud of people in this country that you know what we're doing to help each other, so we don't have a tremendous amount of lost life. No, that's that's for sure. And uh, I never thought in my lifetime I would see something like this uh, with with this epidemic, this pandemic, excuse me, um, called COVID-19, the coronavirus. And, and you've done some great work in Plano, Texas, which is outside of Dallas. And, uh, you know, please talk about what you did for, for the first responders providing 500 meals through your Nancy Lieberman Charities Organization. Uh, Sprout more on that and how you're giving back and helping others. Well, I've, even though I'm a proud and true New Yorker, and I'll always be a New Yorker, uh, I have lived here in Dallas, Texas uh, since 1980, 40 years. And I love this community, and we have great uh, relationships with a lot of different people. So Nancy Lieberman Charities, and thank you for allowing me to, to share uh, what we're, we're doing our part here. We fed 500 first responders, police officers last week. Uh, we brought them food, and I have to tell you, to see the smiles on their face or the thank yous, we actually should be thanking them for what they're doing around the clock. Uh, next week, we will start. We're, uh, again, going to feed 500 first responders, uh, police officers, firefighters, uh, anybody who's on the front lines. Then we're going to go into the areas that are impoverished and we're going to feed 250 families that are below the poverty line and mm -hmm. maybe are struggling putting food on the table for their families because mm -hmm. we love and we care about uh, those people as well who have mm -hmm. such hardships. Right. We're also going to feed uh, hospital workers, 250 hospital workers down, downtown at, at Baylor uh, Hospital. Because, again, they're, they're on that front line. They're on these shifts where they're not getting sleep. They're probably not getting hot food. And that's the other thing I want to say. We're sending hot food, not, not just cold. That's right. And all we're trying to do is just be good teammates and, and good partners in this community. And I'm, I'm really proud to be able uh, to help in, in some way. 
Well, absolutely. And I remember you mentioned too about pledging $14 million, like you've been able to get pledges of that. Talk about that for collecting money to help against this virus and, and to help others fighting it. Well, there's an amazing charity. It's called Stand Together. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are, are part of their family of, of givers. And they are extraordinary givers. They're, they have blessed people in prison reform and poverty and you name it. They have been able to help people. So they came together and they started um, since this you know, virus started. It's Give Together Now. Dot org mm -hmm. and they are going to give directly to people below the poverty line uh, I believe it's forty thousand dollars or less wow. and, and it, all you have to go is to give together.org mm -hmm. make sure you just fill out the paperwork all you need is a, a bank account and fill out the paperwork and they will deposit five hundred dollars in your account. Uh, they're not going to, it's not going to take two weeks, three weeks, eight weeks. It's going to happen this week. But you, you know, you, you have to fill out that paperwork. These are people, philanthropists from all over the country. And they said, we have to do something. And so mm -hmm. the Stand Together family reached out to their constituencies and their donors. And right off the bat, it was 8 million. It was 9 million. Now it's over, as of yesterday, it was over $14 million raised Ooh, that wow. have gone in and it's going out 100%. It's, it's not regulated by the government. It's not regulated uh, locally by municipalities. It is going directly to your bank account. Uh, and the only thing that would preclude you from getting this money put in your bank account if you don't have a bank account. Mm. So uh, it's stand, hashtag is stand together or you can go to their web website, uh, stand together and it's givetogethernow.org. And TJ, my son and I yesterday uh, did a really cool thing with the Honey Jones. He's doing podcasts. I think the next uh, Wednesday is D Nice. Um, oh, oh! You've heard about his his set lists have been have been resonating throughout the country for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean it's it's fantastic. But all you know, celebrities and athletes, you know, we're getting together, we're standing together, and mm -hmm. we're we're trying to do what we can. We're trying to get out and help people and encourage people uh, to give, encourage people to stay healthy, stay in, social distancing, washing your hands, and mm -hmm. and just staying staying with a good spirit you know i mean we're praying for a lot of people i just found out one of my one of my close friends is in a new york hospital this is crazy oh. okay well, so david Britton, david steve burt a, a lot of guys we grew up playing at rucker park you know in the mm -hmm. 70s oh together. yes uh-huh so about 10 guys it was a new york times article and somebody sent it to me just randomly the other day and I kind of looked at it but I was doing something else so I sat down and read it night before last and it's like New York City guys get together you know former ballers uh, a birthday party that's right a cigar bar yes cigar bar. okay well those guys are my friends two of them are dead oh my of the, god of the 10 or so that went two died within a few days David Britton who's in the article Mm -hmm. David in a hospital right now. We're praying for David. 
he he was from New York and he lived at, he lives down here in, uh, yes. in Dallas. Yes. You see Bert, he you know they're all hanging hanging in and hanging on. Well, my son, which he did was about fourteen years old, is that you know uh, nothing against the kids here in Plano, the the bubble of Plano where everybody is happy and you know they have food and they just do what they want on their own pace. Mm-hmm. Called David Britton. And I said, D, and he goes, oh no. I go, uh-huh, it's time. And he goes, you're bringing TJ to the hood? I said, yep. I said, can you get him on a team? And he goes, yep. I'm like, all right, my brother, thank you. And the, the really cool thing about it is, you know, when I took TJ over to DeSoto mm-hmm. and he was, where are we going? I go, I put you on an AAU team. So, you know, you're gonna be good. So long story short, the doors open and it's only, you know, African-Americans, you know, all the brothers are out there dunking, hanging on the rim. And TJ goes, they're hanging on the rim, mom. I go, yeah, those are your teammates. Say hi, introduce yourself. And it was a little bit of a culture shock, you know, to my boy. Mm -hmm. But it was something that I I really felt that he needed to be exposed to, uh, as I have my entire life. So he's on this team. Uh, at first, he was really scared. Are you coming in? No. Uh, are, you, are you coming to the tournament Friday in Houston? No. Mom, come with us. No. These guys took my boy under their wing, and he was like one of the youngest kids on the team. And it was just really kind of cool. He made such lifelong friendships. They played, you know, in the Adidas 64. They went to Vegas every year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really think as the African-American community nurtured me at, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, knocking the crap out of me at Rucker Park, but picking me up, mm-hmm. you know, pat on the back saying, okay, fire, you can do this. Don't be afraid of anybody. Putting TJ in that situation and the respect, the love, the kindness, which we should be teaching everybody and you know he's a different person today because he is so culturally diverse and his love and respect is real Mm -hmm. and i'm just i'm super proud of him because you know there are people out there like you know i mean i can't believe that you know you would um you know be you know hanging out with black people i'm like and what's your point you you can't tell me who to love you can't tell me who to care about. You can't tell me. Those are things that I will experience on my own. TJ will experience that. You and I, we have more in common than some people on that, that we think are close to us because of where we grew up, how we grew up, you know, playing at Rucker, knowing, you know, we got a lot of mutual friends, you know, Kenny Smith, uh, you know, just a lot, a lot of different guys. There's, there's a bond. Uh, when you're in the trenches and you're playing, you know, I want to be in the foxhole with you because I know we're going to get things done and we're going to protect each other. That's right. And you talked about that, Nancy. Oh, on where they at 14th episode of where they at. We're here with Naismith basketball hall of famer, Miss Nancy Lieberman, Nancy. And you talked about going up on that a train from four rock away all the way up to, um, to one, I think one forty fifth, And then you had to go to eighth Avenue, walk to eighth Avenue and walk up to Rucker park. And, but you said also that black people actually encouraged you and influenced you more. 
than people that looked like you and the people you grew up with. Talk about that on how they influenced you more building, not just basketball wise, but as a person too. Oh, that, that's, that's a great uh, lead for me because it, it's been very influential in my life and in, in my process because like I was that poor kid from, from far Rockaway and I didn't have a father. There were days that we didn't have food or electricity. And it was, it was, um, I had an angry childhood and because there was things that should have happened that didn't happen, like a birthday party, like mm -hmm. getting clothes that were not hand-me-down clothes. And I think people can identify with that because you don't want to be lesser. You know, you want to be respected. And I, I was always angry. So sports be became so important to me. I needed sports more than sports needed me growing up. And I had to be tough. And when I heard that the greatest players, you know, played at like Rucker or in the, in the parks, mm -hmm. I started seeking out these people. And the one thing that I, I learned really, you know, as a little redheaded, you know, skinny little Jewish girl, you know, going into Rucker, going into Canarsie or these different parks, mm -hmm. it, respect is respect is respect. And they realized that I wasn't afraid. Maybe it right. was stupid. But I wasn't afraid. I was like, yo, I, I want to play. Can you help me? And they're like, are you lost? I'm like, no, I'm not lost. But I, I heard you guys were good. Can you help me? Because I need to be really, really good. So they were so encouraging, my friends. And they were protective of me. And they would ride the train home from Rucker Park. We changed play, uh, trains in uh, Manhattan. And then we take the, the A train, you know, back to Far Rockaway, which was the last stop, you know, the L. That's right. And they, then we'd walk home and my mom would be like, who are these guys? I said, they're my friends. How are they your friends? You know, I had Larry, Ronald, and Donald. I said, mom, we won three games. We won three games in a row. They're my friends. It was so stupid. But <laughs> they were so protective of me. And I'm like, mom, they're hungry. Can you make some spaghetti or something? And then they'd take the train back. So it was the old fashioned way. There was no cell phones or texting or emails. Right. I would say, I'm going to be on the 525. And they would meet me at the station and then walk me into the park. And everybody got to know me. And the guys were just, they, they called me fire because I was so, you know, fiery with my personality. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It wasn't Lady Magic, it was fire. Yep. And, <laughs> Like, even when I went to the Olympic tryouts, uh, the first tryouts in 1974, and I ended up making it to a training camp, and I broke my ribs, and the guys would call me and go, you know, you're going to be great. You're going to be playing on this Olympic team. I said, yeah, but I'm only like a junior in high school, and they said that I'm too young. And they're like, fire, you're going to listen to those people? You take the train here three times a week, and you're going to listen to people telling you what you can't do, you can do this. We'll get you ready. We'll toughen you up. So 1975, you know, I ended up making the Pan Am team. We won a gold medal in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And then in 1976, as a senior in high school, I'm 17, I make the Olympic team. And we win the silver medal in Montreal. And everybody was like, don't take your medal to the hood. They'll steal it. I'm like, they're not going to steal it. It's theirs. <laughs> how you look at it it's not my medal it's our medal right. i want them to hold it i want them to touch it i want them to wear that medal 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, it's your, it's your attitude and your belief system. And my belief system was, was pure. And that's my relationships with African-Americans have been that way since I can, you know, look, I'm 61 years old and, you know, Kobe and, you know, Ali, Dion Sand. I mean, I don't want to go through a laundry list of people and, and just regular guys. Yes. You know, I mean, I love the, I love my guys in the NBA. <clears throat> I love my guys in the big three. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in, in a, a laundry list of where you're going to be in your life, right? You and I growing up in New York and in, yes. 2000, in 2020, I worked for Ice Cube. Really? <laughs> and guess what? And Ice Cube, that's how his career really, I mean, with NWA, he was great, but it took off being with Public Enemy, the Bomb Squad. That's what really took him to another level as an MC and as an artist. So he, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, I, obviously I knew names or, you know, NWA or, you mm -hmm. know, I knew mm -hmm. some, you know, the rappers. Yep. I just think, you know, people like him and LL and Snoop, uh, you know, some of these guys, Drake, nice. you're so brilliant. Ice yes. Cube is so iconic. He's kind, he's brilliant, he's an entrepreneur, he cares, he's a great husband, he's a great father to O'Shea. Mm -hmm. I mean, every day my world is expanding. Every time I see Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart on their TV show, I'm <laughs> like, God is good, America is great. That's right. And, you know, the one thing that I think about is, you know, it's not perfect here in our country. We know that racism is systemic. We, we, we know our values, things have to get better. Mm -hmm. I swear as God is my witness. If you're black, if you're gay, if you're a Christian, if you're a Jew, if you're a woman, go to another country, go to another country and see what they want to do. See how they treat us. That's they right. treat us like crap in some countries. Right. You're a minority and you don't fit what they want, they'll, they'll kill you if you don't do what they say. Mm -hmm. So here in America, it's not perfect by any means. But what it is, we are the land of opportunity. And I'm, I'm really parroting conversations I had with, with my hero, my man, my mentor, over four five decades, Muhammad Ali. Yes. Friends since I was 19 years old. And I remember he, he said, respect everybody, fear nobody. Fear nobody. That was that, yes. That, that, mm -hmm. Right? And the greatest religion is love. <clears throat> and just leave with love. And that's why he was the people's champ. Because he'd be at the height of his magical powers and he'd be riding through New York. And you know, the guys on the corner with the trash can and the fire just kind of staying warm. Mm -hmm. Almost like in the scenes from Rocky where they're singing around the trash can. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Ali would tell the driver, stop the car, like in the middle of Harlem or, you know, in Brooklyn. And he go, champ, he go, stop the car. And there'd be like 15, 20 guys around a garbage can, you know, that's on inside on fire. It was like, uh, you know, just keeping them warm. Mm -hmm. And Ali would go up and talk to them and shake their hands and tell stories. That's why he was the people's champ, because he cared about people. That's right. That's, that's who I have molded my life after. I want to care about people. I'm glad I, I have more today than I had when I was younger. I don't want my mother's life. 
I don't want to be dependent on, on just on a man to support me. I don't mm. want somebody to do that for me. I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be giver, a giver, not a taker. Yes. I want to help people. I, you know, Kobe, God bless and rest his soul with Diana and everybody else on that helicopter. Yes. Kobe's worth somewhere around $800 million. What the hell does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. Today, he's not here to, to enjoy it. So mm -hmm. we got to really do things that are meaningful in, in life while we are here. You know, help somebody else. Smile, pat somebody on the back. You know, a, a hug, a high five. It's okay to, you know, obviously not now with social distancing. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> show people you care. Like, you know, my smile makes you smile. It doesn't cost anything. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's warming. I do that. It drives my son and friends crazy. I'll be on the street and I'll just walk and somebody will walk and I'm like, hey, hi. And they were like, what? I'm like, how you doing? I make people talk to me. I'm a little yes. bit of a smart ass, by the way. <laughs> I make people smile and talk to me. I'm like, that's a beautiful hat. I love your hat. Wow, those shoes are awesome. Say something nice to somebody. Yes. It's amazing the response that you'll get. That's right. That's right. That's so true. And that and that's what it is, being able to to radiate positivity because it brings it back. And you inf and once again, being an influencer that you are, that brings positivity around you around you, you know, for sure. And and Nancy, I wonder now after the Olympics, I mean you you went to ODU and I like what you said that this is different from any other blue chip recruit. A blue chip recruit will go to, in the in women's game, will go to UConn or go to, to, to Oregon or go to Notre Dame or go to Baylor. In the men's game, they'll go to Duke or Kentucky, you know, or Kansas, any of those schools. But, but you wanted to go somewhere that sucked. <laughs> you know, so talk about how that tenacity really fueled you to be able to to build a program because i feel these big blue chip recruits should go to a program and build it not go to a program that's already at a high level so talk talk about how you were the, against the grain from anyone else's thinking well i think what you're you're really saying is you have to have the confidence uh to to take that leap of faith mm -hmm. and go somewhere to build it and you know build it in no time Mm -hmm. So when I, I was lucky back, you know, in 70, 73, 74, 75, because it was almost a uh, recruit by brochure, like camp brochure, because we didn't have the five visits at that time mm -hmm. in, in women's college basketball. Yeah. So for me, the fortunate part is that I was at the Olympic trials. So every coach in America was at the Olympic trials, every coach in America for women was at the Pan Am trials. So 75 and 76, you know, I had over a hundred scholarship offers and could see these people up close and personal because they were always coming up to me after practice, you know, after a tournament, whatever we were doing when I was with the USA team. Mm -hmm. And many of them um, were probably associated with USA basketball on some level. Mm -hmm. That was the, the most important thing for me is to, to go to a school, and help build that school into something. 
Yes. So, I mean, I thought about going to UCLA or going to Delta State or going to, you know, some of the, the big schools at that point in women's basketball. Immacul- Immaculata, too, right? Was big yeah, Immaculata had won three championships. Then um, Delta State won two championships. Lucy mm-hmm. Harris was my Olympic teammate, one of the greatest bigs ever in our game, a Hall of Famer. But it was really kind of cool. I, I I was a little nervous going out to California. I thought about Cal State Fullerton, mm. where my Olympic coach Billy Moore was. But what happens? I'm a poor kid from New York. If I go to LA and she changes schools and she ends up she ended up you know going to UCLA, mm. what am I going to do? I don't have money to come home. I'm kind of stuck there. So when I took my visit to Old Dominion, I drove down there with a friend of mine. It was a seven hour drive. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful in Norfolk, Virginia. It's even more beautiful today. Yes, indeed. But it was really kind of cool because if I got nervous or uncomfortable, I could always come back to New York and I could drive. So I, I said to the coach, what's your record? And she goes, you know, last year uh, they were, you know, like seven and 20 and something. Uh, I could be a little off. <laughs> and I was like, Perfect. And she goes, perfect. I go, yeah, I want to come to a team that stinks. And she goes, excuse me? I said, no, this is a good place for me. And so I came there. There were seven freshmen. And we made a pact in the locker room that every one of us was going to take an upperclassman's job. Mm-hmm. The upperclassmen were really not too keen on us. But it was like, yeah. I'm taking Debbie Richard's job. You're taking the event baggage job. You're taking... Uh, Wendy Larry's job. We we made a pact mm-hmm. at every drill we were going to try to kick their behind in practice and demoralize them that they they would either quit or they just we would show that they weren't as good as us mm-hmm. or come so off the was, bench just come off the bench and be a role player. <laughs> yes. But that was kind of the mentality we had to have, mm-hmm. and a lot of that was you know that Ali mentality. So. We go our first year, we're 20, 23 and nine. We get into the top 10. We played Immaculata, we played Delta State, we played UCLA, we played Tennessee. Our sophomore year, we go 30 and four, we win the NIT. And then my last two years, we go 37 and one and 35 and one, and we're back to back national champs. You know, you go 72 and two. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was awesome. Everywhere we went, we were like America's team. You know, we had Ann Donovan, we had myself, Inga Nissen, Dan Tremblay, uh, Marianne Stanley, who was the point guard on those three Immaculata teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three-time, you know, All-American, three-time national champ, brilliant Hall of Fame coach. Yes. And it was really just super cool, you know, to learn from Marianne and for her to entrust me with this basketball team. So Alderman was just, an exceptional time in my life because not only did we win, but we changed the culture for the women of Troy. We changed the culture for Louisiana Tech, for yes. Tennessee, for UConn. Yes. yes. You know, Old Dominion was the first team to ever play uh, live on t- uh, on network TV for the NC for the championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, before. Before us, when UCLA won it, I think in uh, 1978, it was taped delayed. Right. So that's the really cool thing. We were playing in front of six, seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people. 
every time we went to a school, it was a record setting, you know, audience and media was, you know, pretty hype when we came to town. Mm-hmm. And I remember in 80, when we, uh, we beat Tennessee for the championship, we're in the hug up line after the game and Pat, who's my teammate uh, on the Olympics uh, and Pan Am game, she hugged me and she kind of pulled me over and she goes, what does it feel like? Can you imagine Pat Summit winning Ooh. eight national championships asking me what it felt like? Wow. And yes. I said, Pat, you're going to win more than you can ever imagine. That's right. That's and right. she did. And then what she did and what Gino's done and Muffin mm-hmm. McGraw and, and Farah Vanderveer, I mean, our game is so good. And then the WNBA, uh, the women in the WNBA are incredible basketball players and role models. And we're very fortunate uh, that David Stern, back in 1984, that's right. Mentioned mentioned to you right when he was hired, and he and he, and he told you don't don't say anything, don't say anything to nobody. Keep <laughs> he would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I flew to New York. I went to his office, and he closed the door. And I'm like, why'd you close the door? I probably was like 24, 25 years old, and he goes, before I'm done with the NBA, there's going to be a WNBA. I said, mm. when? He goes, I don't know. So now we started in 1997. Mm-hmm. So this man unearthed this thought in 1984 and asked me to come discuss it. And, and wow. my, my parting comment from him to me was, I only hope that you're still playing when we start this. And you know, you're 25 and you're like, what are you talking about? Of course I'm gonna be playing. You mm-hmm. know, you can't think 16, 15 years down the road. Uh, yes. You know, I was in my, my prime. Hadn't even hit my prime yet. And yes. when we played in 1990, 1997, it was amazing. I'm playing for Phoenix. It's, it's games on TV. Cheryl mm-hmm. Miller's my coach. Ann Myers, uh, you know, the Hall of Famer is doing the TV. Yep, yep. And I, I cannot believe I have an, a uniform with my name on it. And wow. I got a call that morning from David Stern. And he goes, Nancy? I go, yes, sir. He goes, you could hear he was visibly emotional in his call to me. And he goes, I am so proud that you're going to be playing in this league. And I said, sir, thank you. Thank you for what you did for us. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And and speaking of, and it's interesting, there was another league that you are part of called the WBL, which is very, there were interesting occurrences that happened in that league and 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 it was a high level of basketball talk about why it couldn't succeed at that time is it is it the reason why it took david stern so long to be able to finally have the wnba come to fruition was that you know is it all parallel well uh you know i i was fortunate to play in the wbl um Mm -hmm. when i came out of college Mm -hmm. and i that's what brought me to dallas Mm-hmm. And uh, I played for the Dallas Diamonds. And it was crazy. Those guys, uh, they paid me $100,000 uh, to play. Ooh, you know, so 1980. Nothing, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm in Dallas. And I'm making money. And you're kind of like the toast of the town. Because the, it was only the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, That's right. I mean, the, the, the Mavs had just got here. Just started. Just started. That's right. 
Mm -hmm. So everybody was so cool. We played over at Moody Coliseum. We were averaging over 6,000 a game. You know, I mean, um, at my press, oh my gosh, I was so embarrassed at my press conference. They say to me, hey, you know, what do you know about Dallas? And I said, I know everything about Dallas. And they said, really? I said, yeah. And they said, how would you know everything about Dallas? I said, I watched Bonanza. I know everything about Dallas. <laughs> I like little Joe. They asked me to put on this cowboy hat. Wow. So after I gave that, you know, and, and I had my, that my heavy New York accent at the time, I had to go to elocution school for ESPN. Because mm -hmm. I was like, yo, how you doing? Everything good? Yeah, no, nah, ain't nothing wrong here. Yeah, no, nah, I'm just going back to the crib. I'm just going relax. And, and they're like, Nancy, nobody can understand what you're saying. <laughs> I'm like this at the press conference and I'm literally just like, yo, like I'm really happy to be in, in Dallas because, you know, I know a lot about everything here. I don't have a horse or nothing, but I like I watch Bonanza all the time and it's a good show. And <laughs> the next day I got a phone call from Roger Staubach. I'm in a hotel and he goes, Nancy, I go, yo, who is this? How'd you get my number? <laughs> It's so stupid. And he says, Nancy, this is Roger Staubach from the Dallas Cowboys. I'm like, yo, you Mr. Hail Mary, how you doing? <laughs> he says to me, he goes, I saw your, your press conference on TV yesterday. I said, yeah, like they gave me a hat. Like I've never had a hat like that. So he must have known like I was a knucklehead or whatever. So he says, Marianne and I would like you to come to the house. I said, for dinner. And I said, that is so nice that you would ask me to come to dinner. Like, don't have to put nothing away. Like, I won't take nothing. You know, you can leave some of the nice stuff there. <laughs> and he looks, he's like on the phone with me. And he's like, I know you're not going to rob us. I said, well, I just want to make sure because sometimes people from New York, they, people think that we're going to come in your house and take stuff. A stereotype. So I, I'm like, not going to take anything. I just want you to know. And I'm really happy you're going to feed me. <laughs> How embarrassing is that? That's you can't make that stuff up. Wow, wow, and that and that's and that's interesting. Like, and that's the thing you've been able to once again being an influencer. You said the energy you put out, it comes forward to you, and people like Muhammad Ali, people like Roger Staubach, they see what you're about, you know. And then later on, Kobe Bryant, who you mentored, you know, and oh. everything is just. Just amazing, uh, Nancy, amazing. And now I want to ask you, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, 1996, you were inducted. I know that was perfect gratification. And it was even before you played a game in the WNBA, because that showed that your career was so prolific. How, how much gratification you had and, and, and talk about when you stood on that stage giving your speech. First of all, you, you grow up playing sports. For me, it was football, baseball, basketball. Mm -hmm. You grow up playing sports because one, you like it, two, you're having fun, and three, you're with friends. Those are the, the three most important factors in why you do something, especially mm -hmm. sports. Mm -hmm. You don't grow up to be a Hall of Famer. You don't grow up to be an Olympian or whatever people you know, say such wonderful things about me. As you, you continue to you know, roll through your career, 
and you, you know, good things happen to me, you know, go to college or play for my, my country and be an Olympian, or then, you know, having to play in a men's league. You know, I played for Pat Riley in with the Lakers. In that's the another person you influenced. Well, I, I, mm -hmm. I didn't have a place to play. I, I wish I had, you know, my only regret in life is not having the WNBA in my prime, but it's okay. So mm -hmm. all these things happen and you just continue to play for the love of the game. That's right. Because it's meant so much to you and it's, it's developed this personality and this belief system and, and you know, uh, just the confidence and, and the building of self-esteem mm -hmm. and things that you don't even think about. Uh, you know, your, your, your character of who you are and every step of the way, something made me a little bit better, a little bit stronger, a little bit uh, more humble, a, a, a giver, not a taker. That's right. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call <clears throat> and you sit by the phone and they say, it doesn't matter how good you are or how great you think you are. You, when they say they're calling at 11, you're like, staring at a phone you're like okay it's three minutes to they haven't called and you're nervous and you're pacing and you're throwing out trash and you're i was mm -hmm. and finally when the phone call came from the the naismith memorial basketball hall of fame and they said nancy we'd like to you know tell you that you have been elected to the hall of fame and for the class of you know 1996 and it was amazing. I was so happy. Um, I'm not sure if, when I think back, I was just so happy that people thought of me so highly. And I was very humbled because this game changed my life. It, it's, it's given me so much. It's given me generational wealth. It's given me a chance to do things for other people. And and give millions of dollars to charities and, and to help change people's life. It all culminated in that phone call because when I tried out for the, the 75 Pan Am games, uh, excuse me, the 74 USA tryouts, I didn't mm -hmm. have money to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And when I made the tryouts and I said, Mom, 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 I made this US tryout, I'm going to Albuquerque, Albuquerque. And she says, like, heck you are. She goes, I can't put food on the table. How am I going to get you to Albuquerque? And they took a can of corn and they tore the label off of it. My, my assistant principal at Far Rockway High School mm -hmm. and Barbara Sackowitz. And they put a label, an envelope was taped around it. said, we're endeavoring to raise $300 to send Nancy to the USA tryouts. And this can went door to door to my community. And people raised enough money for me and my high school coach, Larry Morse, to go to uh, Albuquerque. Wow. wow. I'm that person now. You know, I, I still have in my mind the can. And we're raising money to change other people's lives. You know, with 70 high school kids we've sent to college. Notre yes. Dame, North Carolina, Texas, Texas A&M, wherever they want to go. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter to us. That's right. so the 90 dream courts that we built, you know, the dream courts are the outdoor parks. It's a dream court because it was my dream to be on a court because you couldn't profile me anymore. You mm. couldn't bully me anymore. Yes. You couldn't make fun of me anymore because it was all about what I did on the court and how I connected uh, 
to the, the other players. So it was, it, it was a safe place for me. So we have those dream courts. We have over 3.8 million children playing on dream courts around the country. And uh, this pan pandemic has slowed us down because we were, we're gonna open, we were supposed to open 20 more this year, including oh. Baby Davis and, uh, and, and Ice Cube's core and the one for the late Andre Emmett. Oh yeah, T Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. And we're doing one here in Dallas where Andre grew up uh, mm -hmm. in South Dallas, Oak Cliff, and one with, in partnership with Texas Tech University uh, these will be for his legacy. Um, so I, I really just have so much appreciation for what we've been blessed with. Yes. Don't ever take it for granted. We're just trying to look, we're all going to leave this earth at some point. Everybody's taking that step towards the end of the diving board one day. And I, I just want to leave my mark. I want to help people. It makes me happy to help people and to see my son TJ have that same mentality now yes, and to indeed. want, you know, to want to go to a shelter or feed people or whether it's cancer and how we treat people, well, you know, whether it's, it's people in poverty, sometimes people just need a hug. There's a lot of anxiety, depression, and we just, we just want to be, you know, we're not perfect. I mean, God plays through my mistakes every day. Mm -hmm. He has a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but well, we're just trying to do our thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, Nancy. Wow. And, and here, you know, coming on your show, I'm, very, I'm thankful to Octagon for setting this up, you know, yeah. Jennifer so, and Jennifer, thank you, you guys yes. so much. And Allie, Allie's great, yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, Allie's ridiculous. She's a rock star. Allie, if you're watching this, you're a rock star. <laughs> I, know it. I know it. Jennifer knows it. Jennifer, you're going to have to give her a raise. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I got into your business. My fault. <laughs> well, but Nancy, it's, it's very interesting because you coached men, you know, which is amazing. And, and I mean, you coached the Texas Legends, which is the, the G League affiliate for the Dallas Mavericks. And the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban, Donnie Nelson, they always, and Rick Carlisle, who's, who's my friend, friend of mine, Rick Carlisle, great supporter of my music and everything, and ja jazz pianist himself. Um, amazing. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Great guy. And, and, and just they're always forward thinking. And then you were assistant coach for Sacramento Kings. Did you find that you know, did you find that there were some players that weren't really receptive to your message or, you know, or they did, were they educated and knew about your past and knew about your greatness that they knew they had to listen immediately? Like how did, how did it, how did it work for you? Well, the way it worked is everything in life is based on relationships mm -hmm. and women are seeing now, especially in the pro leagues that we, the more we interact with you, and the more we get to know you, the more the resume is not going to matter. It's what are your interpersonal skills? Can you relate? Well, uh, it, have you done your work? Are you a grinder? So I had known Donnie Nelson for a long time, but really 
in in women's basketball and no matter and and I do think Becky will be a head coach in the NBA. She's been remarkable. Yeah. Donnie Nelson set the plate for Becky, for Nancy, for Jenny, for every other of the eleven women who are now currently on some level in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I say this, this is truth. In 2010, Donnie, we bumped into each other. It was like seven in the morning at a mailbox. And he was walking out of a Starbucks with Rolanda Blackman. Uh, I, my brain is going and I'm like, oh my gosh, I bet you Rolando just got a coaching job because Donnie just bought the Colorado 99ers, I think they were called. Uh-huh. I had read about this and I go, hey, congratulations on your team. You know, Donnie is just talking about outside the box, brilliant. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. So and his father, was, his father is the same way. <laughs> his father is the same way, excuse me, is. He's still with is. us. <laughs> That's right. Sports and business and, and whatever. They're very, very successful. So Donnie goes, sis, you know, after we hugged it up, Donnie's a hugger. And Rolando, I've known from New York. You That's know, right. Brooklyn. He's a Brooklyn guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, he goes, sis, your number's still the same? I'm like, yeah, call me anytime. So he calls me like that afternoon and he says, Let, let's meet at Starbucks. I said, okay. <laughs> Back so to the second talking. meeting. <laughs> it was like, yeah, he, he drinks coffee all day, I think. He's never sleeps. That's why he's so brilliant. He just is boom, 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 racing. So we, we have like six or seven meetings at Starbucks around North Dallas. And he goes, you know, I went home and I was sitting, talking to my wife and my daughter. And, and we started to think maybe the best coach for the job, the best man for the job isn't a man after all. He goes, you checked every box. You've coached, you've been a head coach. You have played in men's minor leagues. You live in this community. You have a voice and a presence. And he said, the biggest thing is you're not afraid, right? Respect everybody, fear nobody. And he goes, I sat down and he goes, you're my head coach. And I said, Donnie, this is gonna be crazy for you if you do this. This is stepping out, out, outside the box. And he goes, I'm doing this. If you will do this. And I was like, I would love to have this opportunity. So I guess at, at one point there was a little pushback, maybe from whoever at the, the D league, you know, leadership at the time. Mm-hmm. And I get a text. I still have the text from Donnie at like two or three in the morning. It says, sis, we are bringing you to the press conference tomorrow to, to be our head coach. He said, this is what Martin Luther King marched and died for. And I went, you're quoting Martin Luther King? That's amazing. I love this. <clears throat> yes. And we showed up and we showed out and you know we made the playoffs our first year. And I, I made some incredible friends in Nick Nurse and, and Chris Finch and Darvin Ham and Eric Musselman and uh, Nate Tibbetts, wow. A.L. Osborne. You know, um, there were so many coaches in the league that put their, their arm on me, even though we were battling. 
Mm-hmm. Chris Finch, you know, he's the assistant coach with Alvin Gentry with the New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I do the TV. And Chris and I will, will laugh. And he'll go, man, we played you like 12 times. You beat us 10. I said, wasn't that what I was supposed to do? And he goes, you know, they ended up winning the championship. He was coach of the year. But the joke is that, you know, every time we played, we were at it. We were going. You know, we beat Nick Nurse's team. Uh, he ended up leaving Iowa going. When Chris went to the NBA, he took over RGV, which is the Houston Rockets affiliate. That's right. And Nick ended up being coach of the year and winning championships. So mm-hmm. there's no – like when he won with Toronto, oh, no, Nick Nurse is brilliant. Always was, was excellent. Brilliant. Yes, yes. Everywhere he's been. So it's kind of cool to have people like him or Brian Gates, all these NBA guys were very kind. Uh, Terry Stotts, Dwayne Casey, Rick Carlisle. Thank you, Rick. Mm-hmm. Rick is a champion of women. Mark Cuban is a champion for women. That's right. Uh, you know, Rick's a, the president of the NBA Coaches Association. Yep. He's the guy, him, Warren Laguerre, uh, other people that, you know, giving us all these opportunities to, to be what we want to be without the pushback. The players are rock stars. Not one player that I've ever been around, I've been around everybody in that league. Mm-hmm. They have LeBron, Kobe, uh, Chris Paul, I I just don't want to say the stars because everybody, Kevin Love, Mm -hmm. so many guys are so, such champions of who we are. Who's coming to watch me coach at the big three? LeBron James, Mm -hmm. all these other guys. Who's coming to watch WNBA players? Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. Who's coming to college basketball games? All these guys that are really supporting us, the player or the coach. That's right. Uh, the men of the, the NBA are phenomenal. They're absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, look, I had 20 years with Kobe. And, you know, maybe it was just too close because, you know, we spoke that Friday night. Right. Was, you were going to go to his academy that week. That yeah. Week. We, uh, we had talked about it. I was in the studio getting ready to do a Pelicans game on a Friday night, the 24th. And the, the Spurs guys and the Oklahoma City guys, probably the Dallas guys, were in doing their games. And the, the guys were like, man, can you believe what Kobe said about women playing in the NBA? And I just popped up from behind. I was sitting at uh, the cube of uh, uh, Aaron Hardigan, who's the host of our show. Mm-hmm. And I popped my head up and I went, hello, I'm still here. <laughs> and we're all really great friends. And the guys turned around. I said, um, yeah, it's not optimal, but it's doable to play at that level. I mean, we're going to get some ass kick in, but we're going to come back and play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kobe said something like Maya Moore, Della Don, Tarasi could play at that level. So I joked around and I said, well, why don't we just ask Kobe? You know, one of my, you know, goofy moments. So I picked up my phone and I texted Kobe and I'll read it to you. I'll never get rid of it. So I texted Kobe and I said to him, hang on a second. Oh, take your time. It was about seven o'clock and 
I said, hey, do you want to talk about women playing in the NBA? He says, yes. I said, when? He says, now. I said, okay. Wow. Apparently, we're minimalist. Yes. So he writes me back. Um, I don't know who's watching this, but uh, I'll try to change some of the wording. That's okay. That's all right. It's, it's all, all going to be audio, audio vibes. Yeah. <laughs> so he says, absolutely, they could. Reporter was acting like they couldn't. Doesn't mean they need to, but fuck. The level of disrespect because they are women. So normal. Dudes think they can just overpower them. It's bullshit, Nancy. And frustrating as hell. NBA players would get served up, let alone some normal weekend warrior ass Joe Blow. Wow. And I was like, wow. Okay. Disrespect is real. As real yes. as racism. And... You know, we were on such a, he used to call me the mama mamba, you know, mm -hmm. when I played at 50. So right. we, we, we go back a long time. So when you played you know, against, I, with the Lakers, when you played, you know, on the summer league team, his, for, his future team, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, so we, we were kind of talking and he goes, you know, I said, well, you know, I, I wish I had my prime against women. And he, he goes, shit, I know, I know when you played for the Lakers in 84, uh, with Pat for Summer League and then USBL and then playing for Frank in the Jazz League. That was awesome. I said, you remember that? And he goes, exactly. I remember that. Nobody talks about what you did. Uh, I agree with you. It was doable. And I was like, okay. And I tell him, thanks for fighting for us. Your babies at home are our future and they have to believe in what they can do. Right. People say what they can't do and they try to impose their mediocrity on us. Yes. I used another word prior to mediocrity. <laughs> I, I don't want to in, in, in embarrass Octagon. <laughs> uh, but I have a potty mouth. And then he goes exactly 100, 100, 100. And he says, why don't you come out here next week and coach Gianna's team with me? And I said, when? He says, when you want to come. We practice every night. I said, they're kids. He goes, we practice every night. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll text you next week on the details. He gives me the thumbs up. Wow. I fly to LA the next day because I was uh, actually to Palm Springs. I was doing an appearance. And late Saturday night, I get a phone call. It's from Kobe. And he, um, he says, okay, let's firm this up. When do you want to come? And I said, he says, can you do Wednesday? And I said, yes. And he's like, okay, so you'll come to LA, you know, Uber to the house, we'll grab some food. Uh, we'll, you know, get in the helicopter. We'll go to the Mamba Academy. He goes, you have as much time as you want. Uh, you and I will put Gianna's team through practice. I said, that would be amazing. And he goes, we'll come back home and then you can leave. Cause he knew I had TV on the front end and the back end. Sure. And so that's when I say it was so close. Just, and, and that morning I texted him, I said, Hey, you're a class act. You know how he handled LeBron, you know, that's right. With the tweet, his last tweet to LeBron. And I said, you are a class act. It's unbelievable. He was always like that. And, uh, you know, he was the Mamba, you know, on the court and he was the Mamba off the court because he cared. 
he cared so much about people. You know, Kobe did more um, Make-A-Wish appearances than any current day athlete. He mm -hmm. made over 200 Make-A-Wish appearances. You didn't know it. That's I right. didn't know it. That's Nobody right. knew it. That's he right. just did. That's right. He just did. And, you know, so the, it's the, the loss of, of Kobe, uh, the loss of, you know, I remember I was in a meeting All-Star Weekend and uh, Adam Silver um, on the board of the NBA Retired Players Association. Yes. And we have our, you know, uh, hour or so with Adam Silver, which is very generous of him to give us an hour, state of the union kind of. Mm -hmm. and, and he said, you know, the one thing that I believe is that David Stern and Kobe Bryant were so alike. They both had that same mentality to do things that people didn't think. They were tough on people when they were your teammate, mm -hmm. but they made you better. That's right. And I appreciate so much, you know, uh, Adam talking about his relationship with David, mentorship. But he said, I got to know Kobe so much more in retirement because he was available and around and he just really cared and wanted to help people. And he saw, said, I saw a side of Kobe that, you know, nobody, we really had not seen. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, he, he didn't die in vain. Uh, we all miss him. We miss, I mean, every picture you see with his family, you're like, are they models? Because they're mm. gorgeous, right? Right. I mean, it's like looking at the Kardashians. I mean, <laughs> beautiful. But more organic, more organic than Kardashians. <laughs> yes. Yes. But Kobe, uh, Vanessa, my heart breaks for her as a wife and a mother and just everything. I mean, she is such a strong, loving force of nature. And she... In, in empowered Kobe to be Kobe, you know, and he empowered her to be a, a strong woman. Like he wanted all his kids to be strong. I mean, I was at the final four with them, you know, he, they, they would show up as a family. It, it's, uh, we lost a lot. We lost Kobe. We really did. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And, and, and speaking of, Kobe being a mentor, Sabrina Anescu from Oregon, like her game is a lot like yours because I've seen your clips. And what do you think of her? Because she, she has that mamba mentality, but also her all around game is crazy like yours was. I'm really proud of her. Uh, she, um, the last two years, won uh, the Point Guard of the Year Award, the Lieberman Award mm -hmm. that is housed at the Basketball Hall of Fame. And we've had that for about 20, I think, three years now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll make the announcement in, in the next few days who won it for this year. But mm -hmm. let me tell you about this young lady. The pressure she had on her, for Sabrina to come back for her senior year, she could have gone to the WNBA, yes. you know, got a little bag. Mm -hmm. And uh, she decided I had unfinished business at Oregon. So she goes back. Uh, I think she was just named player of the year in college basketball. That's right. 2K, 1K, 1K. That's like a video game. Okay? <laughs> right. I mean, I had, I had significant numbers in college. Uh, I had 2K, 1K and close, mm -hmm. but she blew everybody out of the water. You were the closest. Uh, you were the closest. 
you know, I don't, I don't really thank you. I don't really care about that, but you know, she's amazing. And she got everybody riveted to, to come see her plan and sell out crowds. Uh, the, the media attention that she has garnered is well-deserved. Yes. Her story about, you know, her relationship with her brother. And then of course, you know, the relationship, you know, she had with Kobe is, is pretty phenomenal. And, mm -hmm. you know, the Curry's and, you know, she's, some people play the game and some people change the game and you know become influencers as you've said and she's an influencer i'm really proud of her uh it was a great season under tremendous some people call it pressure and some people call it opportunity mm -hmm. the opportunity to another level yes and and speaking of opportunity um with the wmba it's beautiful with the i mean the salaries went up like around 50 percent um, also, too, there's a virtual draft that's going to go on next month as well. So it seems like the WNBA is starting. It's been a while, but it's, it's, it's gradually been, been having more visibility. But I think it's really making a jump over the past year. It is. You know, in the WNBA, we're really fortunate. Uh, I still say, I said this when he was alive, that uh, every player who played in the WNBA should send David Stern a thank you note because he fought for us. When some of the owners did not want the WNBA any longer, he fought yes. and gave them a reason to keep it. We, we now have the, the greatest commissioner in sports in Adam Silver and deputy commissioner. Um, oh, uh, was, Tatum, uh, Mark Tatum. Yeah, Mark Tatum. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was a point in time where Adam Silver was the deputy commissioner for many years. These guys are electric. They deeply care about women's sports and women's basketball and the WNBA. Uh, Adam Silver, for this CBA, uh, it's, it's not where he wants it. It's not where the players want it, but it was a substantial step forward. Yes. Um, I know that as long as, you know, we have Mark Tatum and then we have Adam Silver, they will continue to forge growth on the women's side on amenities, on benefits, on salary. I'm really proud of them. A great hire in Kathy Engelbert, uh, who is the first commissioner of the WNBA. We've had presidents mm -hmm. um, of the WNBA, but you know she got that title, which is deserving. Mm -hmm. And this thing's gonna grow. I mean, the, the young players, the veterans, oh my gosh, the, the Tarassis, the birds, you know, they have continued to take up where uh, Catchings, uh, Maya Moore, uh, I hope Maya comes back to play now. Yeah, yeah. Um, she did some unbelievable work on, right. on criminal justice reform, prison reform. That's and, right, that's right. Uh, I think Humanity. she's absolutely. Yeah, she's just amazing. I hope she comes back. She's been a winner everywhere she's been. But, you know, to have some of these, you know, great players like Brittany Griner, uh, Griner, excuse me, um, it, this league is stacked with future Hall of Famers, with veterans, and then young players that are taking the game to another level, like e Elena Deladon, the MVP, uh, the champion with the Mystics. It's just great to, to see so many different personalities, and, but they handle themselves with just such class and elegance and mean as heck on the court. 
Yes. They are absolutely. after you. Absolutely. So, no, my, my, my cap off to the WNBA and, uh, you know, the commissioner and the, the Players Association for helping make this happen. Wow. And, and with the NBA, there is something that I don't know what to think about it. Let me know what you think. Uh, Brian Windhorst of ESPN came out with an article recently saying that the NBA is looking to mirror China, what China is doing to have the players in a bubble, like in two cities, like to get the games going again, but having all teams close together. It'll kind of like be like March Madness, you know, how you have eight teams when in one city, that type of uh atmosphere nancy what do you think of that do you think that's that's the best way to do it or maybe just wait a little longer for everything to clear out with COVID 19 and make sure that we can have the players back in the cities that they're comfortable in well i'm sure this is what i am sure of i'm sure that michelle roberts who is the the executive executive director director of the pa Mm -hmm. and adam silver are talking every day or almost every day they will not do anything to jeopardize the health of the players. Right. I know. Uh, I, I, I had just finished the pre, pre-game show when the Pelicans a few weeks ago were playing the Kings. And the referee. The referee, Courtney Kirtland, yeah. had done one of Rudy Gobert. And they were like, no. There is a special relationship <laughs> with, with the NBA and its players. And they're not going to put them in harm's way. So whatever uh, Adam Silver does in, in, in you know, concert with Michelle Roberts and, and the Players Association, they'll make sure it is well thought out, that it's a, a healthy environment. We all want to play. I mean, my life has changed. We all, everybody's life has changed. We mm-hmm. want to play. We're, we're learning to adapt. Maybe we needed to adapt and to do other things mm-hmm. but they'll put the games on i mean I, I i think it would be great if you could do maybe two or three you know sites and have you know uh maybe four sites and have you know eight teams or six teams or whatever play finish out the regular season look I, I, this is selfish by the way but lebron james you know he has a chance to win another championship that's right you know, fighting time Right. You know, I mean, every year goes by, there's a chance, a lesser chance that he is going to be able to accomplish some, some goals that he has on a team level. And with a third so, team, third team as well. A, History. He's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. People don't give LeBron James. I don't know why. Maybe LeBron James is just too nice. That Ooh. guy is unbelievable. And they're, they're, they're going to have to move somebody over or make another place on the, the Mount Rushmore of the greatest players right. who have ever played. That's right. In the NBA. He's he's there with MJ. He's there with Chamberlain. He's there with, I don't know if it's Jabbar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's unbelievable. You know, maybe magic. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're splitting hairs. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe two Mount Rushmore's, too. Have two, like, right next to each other. <laughs> Why not? I mean, of all the guys who have played the game, and you're talking about who's the top, you know, four or five, Mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean I think down deep you know when I see somebody like a Tom Brady when I see somebody like a LeBron James and they're they're mythical and they've given us so much joy even if you don't like them look I'm a Yankee fan all right don't hate me 
you know, we have 27 rings. I was going to Papa Do's a couple years ago and uh, I have Yankee mats in my SUV. So I pull it up and I say, hey, can you valet park it? And the young kid goes, I don't park in your car. It, it has New York Yankee mats. And I went, hey, can I ask you a question? And he goes, sure. I go, are you a Cowboys fan? He goes, yep. I go, good. They hate you too. Now park my car. <laughs> I do. They hate you because you've got five Super Bowl championships. They hate the Yankees because we got 27 rings. <laughs> so, <laughs> my alpha wolf came out. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I love, I like teams like the Steelers. I do. Anybody who's done something well over and over and over and over again, I'm a fan of. So, you know, uh, I love uh, Curry. I love you know, Kobe, I love, you know, Chris Paul to me is amazing what he did this year with Oklahoma City. Ooh, why MVP, top seven, top seven MVP candidate for sure. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And better than, I think their record is, they're tied with the Rockets as of now, something like that, or just a game behind. Like, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. But you, you pull from people who are consistently consistent. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. And and I well I do. It's not it's not to say I, I mean look I do Zion's games. I I think he's uh you know just a freak of nature, generational type of player. Yeah. And um you want to see his success, but you, he needs to be able to see that LeBron James can be what 34, 35 years old, thirty five. And this is what you can do at thirty five. Ooh, when you're eighteen, you can't see thirty five. I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when uh, Zion and I had talked to each other, you know, uh, it's funny. We have the, the, we have the same attorney in New York for many, many years. Um, and, he, you know, he was like, we were talking about, you know, me, me playing in the Olympics at 17 on the U.S. team at 16. So it was something to connect us as young players. You know, how do you kind of keep it going and become what um, hopefully you're supposed to be. So I, I remember Pat, oh my gosh, Pat Summit said this to me when I was 18 years old. Wow. And I was like, glued. No, it, it, I was 19. I was now playing for her on her first international team um, for USA basketball. And I said, Pat, man, everybody says I got all this potential. Everybody says I got potential. And she looks at me and, you know, she talked like this from PNC. She goes, Nancy, do you know what potential means? I said, no, what? She goes, you hadn't done shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's right. That's right. Is that crazy? And she, and I was like so hyped on myself and my potential. You may have done shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that is <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So I'm not gonna say that to anybody, but <laughs> potential. That means like you could maybe if you know the stars align, if you stay healthy, mentally strong, you could be what you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and then, and also to be able to get away from distractions because the more you ascent, the more distractions come. That's for you sure. You know why little horses at the Derby wear these things at these horse races? Mm-hmm. Because little things, if they don't have the blinders on, like, look, 
I have the attention span of a fly. If I could be, we joke in my office, like I could be talking to you and if I go squirrel, this is true. I, I have a thought and I gotta get it out, okay? So you could be talking about whatever, but if I say squirrel, let me just say what I gotta say. And then, cause I'll lose that thought. So, you know, horses, you gotta be, I was so laser focused wow. on trying to be great. Ali, you know, would always, you know, talk to me about just stay focused on your goal. Mm -hmm. People are gonna try to distract you. They want you to do this, they want you to do that, they need this, that he goes, you have to be great at what you do. So yes. I, I just try to use that laser, you know, focus on my, you know, it can be overbearing at times, my son tells me. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's and I it. cry. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you gotta, gotta, hey, get everyone better. That's what it's all about, you know? Right. And, and, and Nancy, wow. The great Nancy Lieberman, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer on the 14th edition of Where They At. I have a segment I usually end the show with where, where it's called Fast Break. So if you're a baseball player, it'll be hit and run. If you were a football player, it'll be uh, no huddle. If you basketball player, obviously with your background, it's Fast Break. So we're going to get right to it. I'm going to ask you some random questions and, and quick okay. answers. Rapid fire, you know, running and gunning a la Devin Nuggets in the 80s. So, okay. That's <laughs> mine. That's our Brooklyn, Brooklyn guy. <laughs> That's the team. So, so here we go. Here's, here's the first question. So, all right. Most underrated basketball player you've seen, the person who should be more revered, male or female? Damian Lillard. Yes, indeed. That's a great answer. The place you visited that resonates with you till this day, like the city and country that resonates this day for you. Rucker Park. Mmm. All right, all right. Favorite restaurant in any of the five boroughs in NYC, your favorite restaurant? Um, it was Gino's Pizza when I was a kid. Yep, yep, okay, okay, cool, cool. Now, the song that reflects you the most. Greatest love of all. Greatest love of all. Ah, Wendy Houston, yes. The competitive game or debate that was the most bizarre? Because you know you're a competitor, so you end up debating on something or playing a weird game just to prove that you're better than the other person. What was the most bizarre? Uh, playing stickball. Somebody is, a lot of people haven't played stickball, and I was like, nah, if you play stickball, it helps your hand-eye coordination, it'll help you with baseball, and we went back and forth, uh, you know, just talking about what stickball did for me, the bat speed, the whip of the bat, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, and then after doing this and playing, he goes, you hit lefty? No, I hit lefty and righty. I, you know, Mickey Mantle was a switch hitter. I'm a That's switch right. hitter, but, you know, Bobby Mercer was my Yankee hero, uh, you know, Thurman Munson, I admire yeah. deeply. So I would switch. So it, it, it was, well, you know, stickball is not a sport. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, stickball was tough. I remember playing it myself. And there's no barrel. There's no barrel either, you know? So nope. that's right. So now, if sports didn't exist, what would Nancy Lieberman be immersed in? I would be immersed in music. Ah, folk, voice, or instrumental? I would not be singing. I would be listening. 
Oh. Uh, I, I would be listening. Okay. Because, I, I mean, I just, I love music. Yes, yes. And, and, and really, I, I mean, I can listen uh, to, to country. I can listen to rap, uh, some jazz, uh, contemporary, uh, top 40. But yeah, I like music. It's the artist, the words. I mean, I love Drake. Uh, I, there's, there's, there's so, so many artists. I mean, I, I, I just finished watching. It was interesting the other night. Um, I know this is not fast break, but you know, straight out of Compton. You know, on oh, some of the yeah. music to be able to express yourself, how you feel, in in a song, uh, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a great film, great film in general. Yes, indeed. Yes. You know, for sure. Um, now, oh, um, and I'm going to send you a copy of my album, by the way, because I'm a okay. professional musician. I'll send, I'll send you a copy for sure. Now, most eccentric teammate or player you've coached? Uh, Rajan Rondo. Okay. Okay, Rondo. Yes, indeed. Now, yeah, because he's. It, it seems like he he's such a genius. Where I remember Doc Rivers said that you know he could be too smart for his own good, kind of. So is that <laughs> that, that part? Doc, uh, Rondo's the best. He's the best. He keeps you on your toes. You better be ready to do your job. If not, he'll help you do your job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now the NBA MVP. You know, hopefully that award is announced. Is it Giannis or LeBron? Because it's so close. Uh, wait. Uh, yeah, we're splitting hairs. Uh, I I think it's LeBron. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it's it's. It'll be interesting if we see co MVPs for the first time in history. That'll be interesting. <laughs> that, that, you know what? Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is unbelievable you know he 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 deeply cares he works on his game he cares about his community his teammates he's you know you'd want your son to have him as a role model and it's the same thing with lebron james and lebron is having an amazing season he's reinvented himself as a point guard that's right and he's making everybody around him better so two different guys Two different times of their, uh, you know, parts of their career, mm-hmm. but lifting their team the way they're supposed to in crucial situations. It would be kind of cool to have co-MVPs. Yes, it would be. And and the last question, the fast break segment. The best game you've witnessed in TJ Klein's career? Wow. Um, he actually just came off uh, before he came back to America. He was playing in Israel, and I watch all of his games, but he had like 22 points, uh, 14 rebounds, six assists. I mean, it was just a joy uh, to watch him because he's that stretch four, he can shoot it from three, but his passing is Mm -hmm. unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So it it, it was fun for me to sit here actually on this computer and watch TJ play. Yes. Wow. Yes, indeed. And, and and last but not least, I wanted to talk about the, you said this, and this was very interesting, Comfort, comfortability and inspiration, your body issue uh, shoot for ESPN last year at 60 years old shooting for that, the inspiration and being an influencer, talk about your mindset going into that 
before we go and, 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 and showing your confidence and, and having it be a reflection of your life, of what you've had to do and push and strive in your life? Well, um, I was honored um, to be a part of the body issue. One of the things when I was first told is I knew that I needed to uh, have the, the sign off of my son. Uh, one thing I don't want to do is have my son be embarrassed. Uh, mm -hmm. So he was playing overseas. I think if TJ was playing in, in college at Richmond, I would not have done it because you know how brutal fans can be. Yep. And um, college so I, fans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would not have done that. But once TJ gave me the buy-in and he realized that it was such a, a beautiful thing and inspirational thing, I'm very grateful to ESPN to give me that opportunity. I think maybe Serena Williams had been the oldest woman, maybe in her 30s, mid-30s. Mm. And uh, Gary Player, Greg Norman, and then Jerry Rice were in it. Mm. They were 50 plus. I think uh, Gary Player might have been around 77 years old. So I thought, you know what, if I can do something to inspire women, and I appreciate uh, my team at Octagon uh, just going to bat and, and making this happen and then, you know, just being with me, because it's really uncomfortable uh, being there for so long and, and being naked and uh, with people that you'll never see again. Mm -hmm. And so I chose to go through makeup. It was a, it's not my most comfortable thing to do here. Uh, but I thought I'm going to go through hair and makeup naked instead of, they had the big, you know, Ali kind of, uh, the ESPN issue, the body issue rope, which is mm -hmm. beautiful. Um, but I, I'm very thankful to the camera crew, the photographer, everybody who made me feel as comfortable as I could be. And I talked to some other athletes, you know, I talked to uh, Ezekiel Elliott, I talked to uh, some other uh, women who had done the issue, you know, what was it like, uh, was it scary, was it not? And I think everybody was a little apprehensive. I think that's probably one of the things that you'll hear. But I did it, I was thrilled. Matter of fact, it came out during the US Open. And um, on Monday of that US Open, uh, Kobe flipped the coin to start the matches. That's right. In, in Flushing. That's the fourth so round, the fourth round, during the fourth yeah, round. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I was, I was there that Monday. I was there that Monday, yeah. <laughs> the coin on Tuesday. So uh, I knew Kobe was there, so I texted him. I go, where are you? He goes, I'm just hitting some tennis balls. I said, you flipped the coin yesterday. How was that? So he's like, it was cool. I said, well, I'm doing it tomorrow. I'm going behind my back. He goes, Seriously, you're going to flip the coin behind your back? And I said, I am Lady Magic. You know, can the mamba, the mamba can't go behind his back? So we would joke around like that. Okay, so that was Tuesday. Wednesday night, um, I, it's like in the, I don't know, middle of the night or something, I get the assets sent to me from Octagon. Um, and the first thing I did was I sent them to TJ, who's in Tel Aviv, because I didn't want a reporter, teammate, somebody saying, hey, uh, I got this on your mother. Yeah. So I wanted him to have it before anybody else, but it was in the afternoon in, in Tel Aviv. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that afternoon, uh, when it came out, you know, Kobe texts me and he goes, unbelievable. You're, again, 
you know, he, he was, again, so supportive. Uh, but, you know, all the people that were, were the kind words, the inspiring words that people used, I really appreciate it. Because, like I said, it was not one of my most comfortable moments, but it was exciting for me to see if everything from, the tw from when I was 20 was in the same place when I'm 60. You know, they say in real estate, location, location, location. 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 <laughs> and I was hoping they were in the same zip code. <laughs> so um, I was proud that I did it. Uh, I probably won't do that again. This Playboy closet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you seven, seven figures, you know? Like. <laughs> Start throwing up nine figures. Nothing. <laughs> so um, I, I'm glad I did it. Uh, the response has been absolutely amazing, yeah. you know, even today with, you know, people talking about that. But it was hard work also. You know, I wanted to represent. It gave me a goal and a challenge. Yeah. And I wanted to be great at what I did. So yeah. I think that's the, you know, underlying theme of my life. I want to be great at whatever I do. That's right. And, and Miss Nancy Lieberman, you have definitely accentuated greatness. You've accentuated excellence. And, and what you've done is accentuate being an, an influencer and inspirer. And, and I want to thank you so much wow, for your time. And, and I know we're going through tough times throughout this country with this virus. It will be beat. And I thank you for, for being able to share your memories and everything to me. And, and, and being on uh, Where They At on 14th edition. I think it's such an honor to speak with you. Thank you, thank you for everything. And I look forward uh, to us staying in touch. Thank you all for listening to the 14th edition of Where They At. It was such an honor and privilege to have the great Nancy Lieberman, Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, one of the greatest athletes in American history, male or female, especially being such a pioneer and inspiring all types of athletes around the world. I wanna thank Octagon Agency as well, Allie Grayson, and I want to thank all of you once again for listening to Where They At. Uh, wishing all of you to be healthy and safe. But also, before I go, if you love the music that you're listening to, it's from my album, Eclectic Excursions, which is on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, Tidal, Amazon, etc., etc. So if you love the music, check it out. You can also go to my music website as well, N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S.com. Be safe, stay home, and continue to stay positive and continue to influence each other, be positive to each other, and share love for your family, for your friends, and for people in general. Thank you. I'm Navate House. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.